What's up, everybody? This is the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast, and I'm Will Pruitt coming at you with the TNA Impact All Access Audio Review. This is Friday, February 17th, and this is the review for the February 16th episode of TNA Impact. This episode featured the fallout from the surprisingly not terrible Against All Odds pay-per-view, and... The big story coming out of this one, it's hard to uh, tie down. A lot happened on this show, I guess. The big story, the first thing we need to talk about is the fact that the lockdown main event for April is set. That's right, lockdown, coming out to you in April. Main event is already set as James Storm challenging Bobby Roode for the World Championship. And this is the lockdown main event that I've been saying, hey, this is what your lockdown main event is since, what, Bound for Glory? A little bit before, when they first teased that we may get a beer money clash. Um, so that's a it's a big one. This is a TNA money match. This is one that they've put a lot of time into. And honestly, when you sit down and you look at it, just by how the feud started, this is the only feud in TNA right now that deserves a steel cage. I was a little bit worried there for a moment that they were going to go Rude versus Sting in the uh, um, as the lockdown main event. I, I thought it was looking that way with, at the last pay-per-view. And by the way, that they were so chill with giving away Rude versus Storm on TV. But it now seems that they've seen the air of their ways. They're going Rude versus Storm, lockdown 2012. And uh, live from Tennessee. So that should also be a really cool crowd for James Storm. I think you do a lot of promos about him coming home. The Tennessee Cowboy coming back to Tennessee to take what he, you know, to take what's his in a way. And, you know, I, I think this could be a huge moment for TNA. Now, backing up to how they got there, I don't think that, I, I think they've taken a lot of the shine off of this feud. And uh, for a couple of reasons, and I'm I'm going into the analysis of this now, and of course we'll get into the actual content of the show, but I'm just, you know, throwing some opinion out there to start things off. This feud definitely deserves a steel cage at some point. It's definitely one of those that you want to put a cage match in. But this is the first pay-per-view match between them. You know, they had their match on Impact that featured the Bobby Roode heel turn. That's kind of your number one. Then they had their weird follow-up, James Storm is covered in blood for some odd reason match. I'm not even going to call that match number two. So they had, that, that was match like one and a half. That was more angle than match. And then a couple weeks ago from the UK, in the middle of the show, unadvertised, no reason to give it away, aside from the fact that they are actually in the UK, they give us number three, or number two, number two. Root versus Storm ends in a screwy way with uh, Bully Ray getting the heat for uh, distracting Storm. Storm got his vengeance on Bully Ray later in the night, but Bobby Roode still walks away with a win over Storm. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting, but it is not the way that I think you book going into a steel cage match. These two have yet to have their definitive singles match against each other. These two have yet to have their big moment of, you know, making you crave seeing this in a steel cage because you know that that's the only way that this feud can resolve. Storm hasn't cut that promo about how much he wants Bobby Roode in the cage, how he can't wait. He needs Bobby Roode in the cage. Roode hasn't tried to duck him enough. I And I know that they can go there. I know that they have 
two months to get there at this point. But I think they would have been better served signing that as the, uh, really just doing some booking one-on-one. You say victory road main event, we're going to go Rude versus Storm. And you know what, TNA? I'm going to say it, and you're going to be shocked. That's when you break out your screwy finish on pay-per-view. That. Not the last seven pay-per-views with the screwy finish in the main event. No, you, that's, you not in your replica of, for some odd reason, of, Survivor Series 97, but that finish, the Rude versus Storm finish, is when you break out a little bit of a screwy finish, maybe some interference, maybe, you know, maybe you have Bobby Rude take a walk, you know, just something to frustrate fans enough that they have to see these two locked inside a cage where there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. But they haven't done that. So, that's my little rant on this match being signed now and being signed for a steel cage, because it is quite frustrating. But... That might be frustrating. I think these two are going to give us a great match. I, I really do. I think Rude and Storm are going to come with their wook, their their Wooken Borks, is what I was about to say. They're working boots on. Working boots. They're going to come with their working boots on, and they're really going to uh, give us a show in Nashville. And I, I'm already getting excited about the lockdown pay-per-view because of this match. Now, let's go. Let's start off from the top of the show, work our way through. This show was taped on Monday night in Orlando, Florida. If you want to follow along with me, I will be uh, using Ryan Kester's live coverage as an outline and a source of humor because I'm not funny myself. So I will steal his jokes, which uh, uh, Kester was funny in this report. It, it's some good stuff. So, But if you want to follow along with me, that uh, is on the ProWrestling.net website. Look for uh, the article title is... 216, Custer and Impact, TNA Impact Wrestling live coverage review. And uh, actually, before I get into the show, let's uh, do a little plug-in real quick. Um, I want to talk about ProWrestling.net with you. It's a, it's a really serious conversation that you and I need to have. We're going to have a little define the relationship here, and we're going to discuss ProWrestling.net. Um, it's a great site. I, I know it's easy for me to say that because I write for it, but uh, as a member before I was a writer for the site, I, I thought it was a great site. It's a great source of news, um, and you know what? It's one of the best bargains out there for your wrestling uh, news dollar. Um, what you get when you uh, buy into membership is you get ad-free access to the .NET member site. You get access to the .NET members forum, and you get exclusive audio reviews of all WWE pay-per-views, all TNA pay-per-views, Raw. SmackDown, Impact, weekly basis, you're going to get those. I know we give a lot of the TV show ones away on the uh, all-access side, but it's going to guarantee you weekly access to all of those. Plus, you're going to get the member-exclusive shows that include Chris Shore's Audio Slant, where he talks about um, a wide range of subjects. He picks a couple topics to start off, takes questions on them, all that kind of stuff. Also talks about This Week in Wrestling History, normally talks about the independence, talks about you know, does a DVD review. It's a really nice kind of variety show. Um, you're going to get Jason Powell's Q&A. Jason, one of the most well-connected guys in the wrestling business, at least in the media, he's going to answer your questions. If you have a question about something going on backstage, put it in the Q&A. He will ask his sources and come back to you with an answer. If you've got just a history question, if you have a, hey, what would you do if question, he has a great mind, it's all worth uh, listening to. There's that. There's... Um, Jake Barnett and I, you probably hear Jake normally on the with Chris Shore on the SmackDown audio reviews. 
Jake and I every week do the .NET Countdown Show where we break down the top five and bottom three moments uh, in wrestling every week. It's a fun show. We work in a lot of humor. We have a lot of fun with it, and uh, we get a lot of compliments on that show. So check that out. And, of course, the uh, Big Daddy, the uh, important show on .NET, the, the flagship, as we call it. It's our Monday Night Raw. It's called .NET Weekly. This show normally runs uh, anywhere from 90 minutes to, heck, it's gone three hours before. And I know what you're thinking, three hours? They break, It's uh, normally Jason Powell and Chris Shore breaking down the news and events of the week in wrestling. Meaning that you're going to get first-run news there that doesn't get reported anywhere else. Once again, Jason brings those little tidbits to the table, talks with his sources... A lot of times, things end up in .NET Weekly that you're not going to see on any other site. It's not going to be copy and pasted. We're not even going to put it up on our main page. It's going to be in .NET Weekly. It's an exclusive, well worth listening to. You know, it, it can be big items. It can be little tidbits. All of it in .NET Weekly. Guys, it's well worth checking out the .NET membership option. Seven fifty a month for one month to check it out. That's, you know, you just want to come. Maybe you download all of our interviews. We have member-exclusive interviews, by the way, with Chris Jericho, former TNA creative team member Dutch Mantel, former WWE writer Court Bauer, um, Conan, Don Marie, X-Pac, um, the Sinister Minister Jim Mitchell, Brock Lesnar. We've got a lot of audio, basically. On top of that, you've got Shane Hurricane Helms, Sean Davari, who have joined Jason Powell for interviews, and Bobby Lashley, who joined Chris Shore for an interview a little while back. Interviews, they're constantly happening. Um, also, former Tough Enough contestants, uh, Jeremiah Riggs and Michelle Dighton. They, uh, Jeremiah Riggs, is that right? Is that his name? I liked him on the show. Anyways, they joined Jason Powell for interviews as well. All worth checking out. Once again, seven fifty a month. If you just want to take the one-month option, boom. Throw down your wrestling buck and uh, check it out. Download the interviews. Give them a listen. We think you'll be hooked. Or if you're ready to commit, if you're ready to dive in, it's a few days after Valentine's Day, you're looking for a commitment in your life, something that you can grasp onto. .NET, membership, .NET annual membership is for you. For the low, low price of what works out to five fifty a month. So you're going to save $2 a month over the uh, monthly fee. For the low, low price of five fifty a month, boom, you get yourself... Access to the site for a complete year. Once again, all of our interviews, our reviews, our news, all of it, so, so much exclusive to .NET members, and you want to check that out. Or, you know, you've been listening to this plug, and you're getting upset at me for luring you in with talk of the TNA audio review. That's chill. Subscribe to the All Access podcast. Leave us some feedback. Download our uh, app on iTunes. The Pro Wrestling .NET app is a uh, fantastic. It's available in the. Uh, Apple App Store, Android App Store, Amazon App Store. If it's an app store, we probably have our app in it, and it's a great way to get your news on the go. Um, same thing. Keep visiting the site. Enjoy the podcast. Rate us on iTunes. Do your thing. Hey, I'm just happy you're listening, guys. So let's get into the show now. Like I said, it was taped on Monday, and it, we started with a recap of Against All Odds. Here's the crazy thing about Against All Odds. The first two hours were some of the best that TNA has ever done on pay-per-view. Like, it was awesome. You had clean finishes except for one match. Yes, you had that unfortunate injury to Jesse Sorensen, and we will get into that. I'm not saying that was awesome. Please don't think that I'm saying that. But the show flowed. It had pacing. It had things that TNA just... It seemed foreign to them for so long. We had that at Against All Odds. You know, and you had a TNA match of the year contender in Austin Aries versus Alex Shelley. Great match. 
Well, what do we start Impact off with a recap of? Those la- that last hour of Against All Odds. That last hour that made me wonder why I was still watching TNA. What did that last hour include, you ask? Oh, friend of mine. Well, that last hour included Garrett Bischoff. Which, you know, he, he found the magic. The magic is apparently in not wrestling well, not really looking like a wrestler, and wearing stupid pants. Yes, I'm picking on his pants. They look dumb. White and red stripes. Who does he think he is? Anyways... And it, with a recap of the <clears throat> finish of the four-way main event that, again, was the SummerSlam 1997 finish, only with Sting instead of Shawn Michaels, um, Jeff Hardy instead of The Undertaker, and uh, Bobby Roode was playing the role of Bret Hart. Well, at least we kept it Canadian, right, kids? So, um, Bobby Roode came to the ring to start the show, grabbed a mic, and uh, asked Chrissy Emmy, Hey, hey, I couldn't hear from all the people saying, Roode! How about you reintroduce a brother? And Chrissy Hemming was all like, Yeah, I'm going to reintroduce y'all. And reintroduced him. We then mocked the fans for expecting him to lose the title at Against All Odds. The fans, they started to get hot, chanting for Hardy. He shut him up, like he does. Um, said he overcame the odds at Against All Odds. Bada boop, but it do. And moved on to discussing Sting. Um, talked about how rude... How Sting's been attempting to screw him. Sting hasn't been a fan of him. Sting hasn't wanted him around. Sting hasn't liked what he's been doing for months. And I was getting tired of Sting. Um, said that he, um, Sting is the one to blame for all of these issues. And uh, Rude talked about his catchphrases. He, he called himself, this may shock you, the it factor of professional wrestling. He called himself, and this one was a surprise to me, the leader of the, shel- the shellfish generation. Yes, Bobby Roode is actually leading the shellfish, people. Uh, we all think it's selfish, Mike Tanay's mistaken. No, he's the leader of the shellfish generation. Yeah, it's the selfish generation. Anyways, I just can't talk, apparently. I'm getting all worked up. Um, so, naturally, this led to Sting coming to the ring, like he does. Um, said Roode got under his skin at Against All Odds. And he said emotion got in the way, and he screwed Jeff Hardy. Um, Singh said that changes tonight, because Jeff Hardy was coming for Bobby Roode. He made it a no disqualification, no time limit match, Bobby Roode versus Jeff Hardy, and then he said, for the TNA Championship, and he said that match start. then he went, looked at Roode and went, hey, I'm happy you got your gear on, that match starts right after the break. I like that, uh... The opening segment, uh, Bobby Roode's promo got a little long. Uh, I feel like every time he goes into that catchphrase zone where he just starts rattling him off, it's not like The Rock rattling off catchphrases where, you know, you buy into it and, yeah, it's all catchphrases and you know he cut that promo two cities over last night, but it's still entertaining. With Bobby Roode, it's just like, uh, we get it. Yes, stop cramming these things down our throat. The commentators say them all the time. You say them all the time. No one cares about your catchphrases and nicknames you gave yourself. That said, um, I thought Rude did a decent job gloating and kind of being a D-bag heel here. So, take the good, you take the bad. You take the rest, and there you have the facts of life. And uh, the facts of life were, this was decent. Um, You had Sting playing his role well. I thought um, him giving Jeff Hardy that uh, singles rematch and hyping it for right after the break... I know what the hope is with that, and it is my hope as well, that uh, when you do something like that, it's, hey, all right, 
we're going to hook him in with this opening segment. You know, TNA normally has a pretty good rating for their opening segment. So cool. We get him in, and then we get him to stay tuned through the break. We tell him, right after this, you're going to get this match. And we hope that that's enough to hook him in. And I think that Jeff Hardy, putting one of their most popular wrestlers out there in a world title match, in a no-disqualification world title match nonetheless, it, I hope it works. And uh, we came back, and it was the top of the second quarter hour, and Bobby Roode defeated Jeff Hardy in a no-disqualification match to retain the TNA World Championship in 16 minutes and 42 seconds. Those 42 seconds are going to come into play a little bit later. No, they aren't. <laughs> Anyways, um, this one had one commercial break in the middle of it, which was fine. I, I didn't mind having a commercial during the match. It was probably... You know, when you get a 16-minute match, you need at least one commercial in a quarter hour, so that's just how it works. And this one started off hot. It started off them with them brawling and um, Hardy running through a whole lot of offense until Rude caught him with a fireman's carry flapjack. Then Hardy knocked Rude over the floor. Basically, this whole match was Hardy beating up Bobby Rude. Beating him up all over the arena. It went all over the impact zone, into the fans, um, over next to the commentators, into that area where AJ Styles normally gets thrown through the platform underneath the commentators. I don't know why. I just feel like AJ Styles goes through that thing once every three months. Um, but no one went through that today, which is a good thing. But um, basically, this match was all Hardy. The entire match was all Jeff Hardy. Until the very end, when Bobby Roode, um, or until the very end when Kurt Angle ran down. What the poop? Kurt Angle running down? Where's he even been for the last month? Kurt Angle runs down, throws Jeff Hardy into the steel steps. Trivia note, they had to retape that at the Impact tapings. The first time they did it, they didn't like it, so they had to retape just that little bit of match, and you you can sort of tell watching it that it wasn't from the same thing that it... You know, they're trying to make it look like it, but it was totally later in the night. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Um, but this match, then, so Kurt Angle ran down, threw Jeff Hardy into the steps, room, into the ring, and um, Rude hit Hardy with the spear for the win. They just teach the spear in Canadian schools now. I'm convinced. Like, if you get a, uh, I'm going to go with a high school diploma in Canada where we have the high school exit exam in California in the United States, what you've got in Canada is actually a physical test. And in it, they set people up for you. You have to spear one and sharpshooter the other. Now, you have to do it in the right order. You have to do it with the right consistency, man. If you don't master the spear and the sharpshooter by the time you leave Canada, you don't get to graduate high school. That's terrible, right? We need to push for change in the Canadian education system because they're teaching our they're teaching the children about spears and sharpshooters. But my God, what what happens when they get out into the real world and they have to apply a figure four? Anyways, um, I didn't like this match that much. I thought it was the brawl around the impact zone. We used to see him monthly in a Jeff Jarrett main event. That used to be what Jeff Jarrett did. Oh, hey, I'm Jeff Jarrett. You want to brawl around the impact zone? I want to brawl around the impact zone. Boom, boom, boom. We're in the stands. Well, we don't need that now. We don't need the brawl around the impact zone. These guys can tell a story without the brawl around the impact zone and still work in the no disqualification stuff. But I I just felt like this match, it fell flat. Um, The fans got into it, but it fell flat for me at home watching. Not enough wrestling, too much 
Punch, punch, punch. Walk, walk, walk. Punch, punch, punch. Walk, walk, walk. We're on the ramp. Yeah. And uh, the angle interference makes no sense. And um, I feel like it's one of those moments where TNA just says, Hey, he's a heel. He's a heel. They're best friends. Because that's what it felt like. I don't know why Angle would interfere here. If it's supposed to start a feud with Hardy, heck, why don't you uh, help Hardy win the title or let him win the title, then come out, give him the Angle Slam, and signal that you're coming for that belt? You're going to make more money that way, Curdy. Yeah, uh, uh, the Angle interference was uh, kind of the deus ex machina of this match, and it didn't need it. I, I would have rather seen Bobby Roode actually win a match clean for once. That would have been cool. Um, but I think the idea is to set up Angle versus Hardy, and while I don't necessarily want to see that, I still can't complain, or I don't like the way it was set up, but I do kind of want to see the matches, because Angle and Hardy had a really nice series before Bound for Glory 2010, when they were coming. Jeff Hardy, right before he turned heel, and um, I'm guessing, you know, they were both on things that made the match even better in their own minds. But the matches were good. The, the matches that they had against each other were really good. They took each other to a 30-minute time limit and some other really fun things that they did with that combination that I think they could replicate here. Um, but yeah, it's... You know, Rude got like four moves of offense in in the entire match. So I, I can't really say that this was a definitive victory for Bobby Rude that set him up to look good going into his own future. Um, after the break, Rude cut a promo about how good his future looks. And he said he's the it factor of professional wrestling. Someday I want someone to come out and be like, I'm the it factor of, the go- of musical theater. On a wrestling show, just like, they're the it factor of some random thing, and then be like, oh, and I'm a pretty damn good wrestler, too, in case you were wondering. I don't know, maybe I'm being too silly here. Yeah, I am being too silly here. But he said, uh, Jeff Hardy's out of chances. Rude said that Singh keeps trying to stack the deck, but he's the most dominant champion. You see, here's the thing. He, Rude is, likes to play up that he's dominant, but then, more than even just going, hey guys, you know what? No matter what you say about him, he holds on to the title, and that's what matters. Mike Tanay sits there and goes, he's the most fortunate champion I've ever seen. Well, fortunate. I mean, the commentators put him down. Well, I've never, they might as well uh, be like Booker T going, I've never seen anyone with as little in-ring talent as Bobby Roode get as far ahead in this business as he has. That's, that's pretty much what they do. Um... By the way, Bobby Roode's a great wrestler. I, I didn't mean to actually say that Bobby Roode has a small amount of in-ring talent. Um, so Sting showed up, told Roode that he keeps attempting to cheat the system, and Sting said there's going to be a number one contenders match later in the evening. Yeah! Then we went um, elsewhere backstage. Eric Young was holding a guitar. <laughs> yes, this is already awesome. I Young's winning me over, and he has been lately, and this uh, this segment was a big hit for me. He talked about how he forgot his Valentine's Day with ODB. He, uh, (laughs) he sits there and goes, man, my Tuesday, uh, do you know what my Tuesdays are like? And goes through this, like, 14-hour Tuesday, like, this is what his day is. And part of it is, like, I go to jujitsu. I drive there. Four-hour jujitsu lesson. Then I go for, then I walk home. Four-hour walk home. Then I have backgammon with my mom. We play best four out of seven. 
she, I usually beat her, but she's a tough opponent, so it takes all seven games. It's another four hours. And he just keeps going through it. And it was good. It, it was some really funny stuff. Um, also, part of me felt like as he's talking about his jiu-jitsu training, I think he called it his passion or something. And I'm like, is that kind of a Davey Richards joke? You know, because Davey said on Twitter, pro wrestling is what I do in between jiu-jitsu lessons. I'm a real pro wrestler. And, uh, yeah, right, Davey. Um, so I, I feel like it was kind of a Davey joke where it's like, yeah, jiu-jitsu. This is our jiu-jitsu guy. And honestly, I if I were Ring of Honor, I would be trying to trade Davey Richards for Eric Young in a flash. That... I would make that trade. I, I think Eric Young might actually be worth more to Ring of Honor than Davey Richards is right now. By the way, the main event of that Ring of Honor pay-per-view. What the H, man? A tag team match? Your 10th anniversary? You're not going to put the world title on the line? Have a little match that fans have been clamoring for? Maybe make people want to see something? Nope. Nope. Tag team match. It's Future Wolves versus American Shock. I really hope that they use that tagline. Um, eh. <laughs> Anyways, then uh, we went to back to Sting, and uh, he asked Bully Ray and James Storm, hey, you guys uh, want a number one contenders match tonight? And uh, both said they should already be champion. Storm said he, that he was going to kick Bully Ray in the face. Just, you know, hey man, you know, I, I should be champion already, but I'm going to kick you in the face, like I do. Um, Storm... I realized in this segment, his hair has gone from the best hair in wrestling to a little bit out of control. It, like, it grows so fast. He, it went from, like, yeah, you've got pretty good, you've got nice hair, to now it's, like, long, flowing locks of James Storm. Um, I, I really want people to refer to it as the long, flowing locks of James Storm, by the way. We went to commercial, and when we came back, we got a uh, solemn video package. It had sad music that wasn't quite as good as the NFL's Someone is Injured on the Field music. You know how it's all, you know, especially on Fox. It's the it's the football theme, but it's one piano. It's the sad piano playing it. But a do 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 Yeah, that's that's pretty much um what we got in the background of this. But it was a Jesse Sorensen video package and this was really well done. Um TNA did a nice job of talking about the injury. They use the phrase life-threatening, which is absolutely true. The C1 vertebrae, life-threatening injury that Jesse Sorensen sustained. Um, in .NET Weekly this week, I was talking with Chris Shore. We covered the show while Jason Powell has been on vacation. I was talking with Chris Shore. The wrestling industry could have changed on Sunday night. Easily. Um, Jesse Sorensen, if he had, you know, and it's, I hate saying it, and this thought creeps into my mind. If he died on Sunday night, the wrestling industry would have changed. I don't know how, but I honestly believe that we we would be sitting here just absolutely talking about something else right now. It's well, we'd still be talking about TNA, but talking about wrestling as something different in general. Um, again, my prayers go out to Jesse Sorensen and his family uh, for a speedy recovery. I hope TNA is doing the right thing, covering those medical costs, covering any medical costs that stem from this. If uh, Jesse has to go through rehab for a long period of time. TNA needs to be picking up the check for that. If Jesse decides he doesn't want to wrestle, um, TNA needs to be out finding a position for him in the front office, some sort of job that Jesse can do. They, it's you know, it's their responsibility. He was hurt on the job, pulling out all the stops, doing his best for them. And uh, uh, like I said, 
in my prayers and my thoughts. I'm Jesse Sorensen. Get well soon, buddy. But this was a really nice video package, and they said uh, they would keep fans updated in the weeks to come. I know there was a little bit of a Twitter outcry, outrage, outpouring of, why would they show the video of Jesse Sorensen getting hurt? I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, they're highlighting how the injury happened. It was, you know, if anything, and I think most people have said this when you watch it, it was kind of a normal-looking spot. Uh, yeah, it looked a little bit botched, but it didn't look worse than your normal botched spot until you realized that Sorensen wasn't getting up. I don't think Ion realized, hey, this was worse than a normal botched spot until Sorensen didn't get up. So that's definitely, um, you know, uh, I think they showed it just to show you how serious that injury is, how something like that can happen in a wrestling match. And I think, again, Mike Tanay and Jeremy Borash did a really nice job on the pay-per-view broadcast of saying, guys, this is one of the risks you take in the exhibition. It's... It's horrible. We're really, really sad about it. But this is one of the risks that you take. It's, uh, you know, this is this style of wrestling. This is the level, you know, kind of just saying, hey, fans, this is what people do for you. So it's kind of, it's a, you know, not that they should use it as a promotional tool. I'm not saying that at all. I Please don't take it to mean that I'm saying, oh, well, use it as a promotional tool. I'm saying they just did a really nice job of putting over the danger of the exhibition style. Which, it is dangerous, as this shows. Um, we got our second match of the night. Which was Austin Aries and Zima Ion defeating Alex Shelley and Shannon Moore in 4 minutes and 8 seconds. And um, this one, it, uh, you know, you had uh, the teams coming out together. Aries and Ion came out to Aries music and Austin Aries... He's just like reluctant tag partner 101. He's in reluctant tag partner 101 now. That's all he gets are people that he doesn't really want to team with. You look at him with Kid Cash like a month ago, month and a half ago. Now he's with uh, Zima Ion. And that was really my only issue with this match is it felt like a repeat of the Kid Cash rivalry only with Zima Ion in there. And, you know, Ion's a different personality than Cash. So it works in that way. But Ion is also still a heel. And they're still kind of doing the reluctant, you know, I'm, we're going to tag each other, but not really want to tag each other thing. Um, Shelly and Shannon Moore were fine. This match uh, ended. Aries, uh, Aries was wearing down Shelly. Um, Ion blind tagged into the match and rolled up Shelly. Handful of tights, got the pin. And after the match, Ion was celebrating to the hard camera, doing his Zima Ion thing. And Shelly, or not Shelly, uh, Ares came up with the exhibition title and held it up in his face and then turned around right in front of him. So, you know, it's kind of a game of one-upsmanship, a game of, no, I get the attention. No, I get the attention. Um, also, after this match, something that was kind of cool, I thought, you had you had Alex Shelley wanting to get his hands on CMI on after the match because he had been cheated. You know, he knew that there was a, that the handful of tights was involved and he wanted a piece of Ion and the referee had to hold him back. I thought that was a really nice logical touch and we don't see that enough in wrestling. We see a lot of, oh, I lost a match, let me go to the back. But you don't see a whole lot of that intensity and, you know, it's just like something, look at the NFL. Sometimes after a play, players get into it. Uh, you know, you want to see that. Not all the time in wrestling, but it's nice on occasion to see wrestlers really get that intense. And this was a nice use of that. Um, top of the second hour now. Boom. The announcers recapped the TNA Championship match from earlier in the evening. 
and hyped the uh, number one contenders match for later. So, you know, it's just that classic top of the second hour reset that TNA likes to do. Um, and that they do a really nice job of. And then we saw, um, oh, earlier too, we saw Madison Rain and Gail Kim walking backstage. Um, basically, Madison going, hey, Gail, I'm sorry. You know, we get passionate, but we're friends. And Gail Kim was like, yeah, we're totally friends. I'm the best friend in the world. And then we saw... Um, all of the knockouts come out for the knockouts battle royal. And this one, um, they had Sarita and Rosita already in the ring. They had Winter and Angelina Love in the ring, but Velvet Sky or and Taryn Tessmacher came out as we went came from commercial. Then we saw Velvet Sky, Madison Rain. Um, who else came in? Um, um. Mickey James and dear God, someone else come in. Yeah, that's oh, and ODB came in, and they actually got entrances on the show. And we saw Madison Rain kind of promo before the match, going, you know, every, ring the bell, everyone stand, you know, something about everyone standing in this ring, and then she said, ring the bell, and climbed out of the ring to go and sit next to Gail Kim and. You know, at that point, you're like, oh, well, she made sure to say in this ring, so this is what we're getting. Cool. Can we just get to the part where Madison wins it? And that's exactly what happened after six minutes and 32 seconds. They're, towards the beginning, they threw people out like crazy town. You had Winter and Tessmacher eliminated instantly. Um, Rosita eliminated instantly. Um, ODB and Mickey James were out pretty quick. Um, Angelina Love... And Angelina Love, Sarita, and Velvet Sky hung out for a long time. They were the final, really the final four, along with Madison Rain. Um, basically, Sarita and Velvet Sky then were the final two. Velvet Sky pulled the top rope down. Sarita crashes to the floor. Sky begins celebrating. Rain climbs in, throws her over the top rope, and Madison Rain's music hits. She wins. So they're going with this whole Madison Rain versus Gail Kim feud, and I don't know what they do coming out of it. Both of them seem like heels to me and like they should be heels for the foreseeable future. I don't think you go another heel versus heel rivalry on the show. So, and I don't think, I really don't think you turn Madison babyface. Madison is a really good heel. So, I, I guess your option is Velvet Sky turns, or um, eh, Gail Kim turns babyface coming out of this. But then it's hard for her, you know, it, it's hard for her to go... Hey, I've been cheating for all this time, and I've really needed this person to cheat, but now I'm legit. I don't I don't enjoy those types of turns. Maybe you do, wrestling fan. I hope you enjoy them, because that's what you get in TNA. Um, elsewhere, Gunner! Or, hold on, first. Uh, not We're not up to Gunner yet, guys. I'm sorry I got you excited. I know you're, you're waiting with bated breath, because you know that Gunner is coming in this audio review. And... Uh, believe me, I like Gunner as much as you like Gunner, but we have to wait. We have to go in order, guys. No, no, I, I'm tired of having this argument with you, audio listener. Gunner has to wait. James Storm said that his match later would be about more than the number one contendership. He talked about how it was going to be a fight. This was one of those moments when I don't feel like the Herbie Cam really worked. And here's why. And it was kind of odd. James Storm... He was talking, it looked like he was talking to someone that was off camera. But he was talking, like, it was just the profile of his face that was facing the camera. 
if he's talking to someone right off to the side of the camera, I can get over that. But when it's the profile of his face, it literally looks like the camera caught him talking to himself. Which is fine. Um, It's definitely chill if they want to go with that. But I don't know. I I don't know that he should talk to himself backstage. I don't know that James Storm should really be the uh, insane Tennessee cowboy. That's Sting did it. Um, You know, R-Truth did it. Not James Storm's gig, though. I really don't think it is. Then, guys, Gunner and Eric Bischoff were strolling through the locker room. Boy, did they stroll. Um, then we saw Simone Joe and Magnus talking about, you know, in backwards caps, talking backstage about how they're the best tag team out there and um, how they're not scared in their rematch with Morgan and Crimson next week. This was a good way to get them on the show. I could have done with a little more Magnus and um, Joe, even an in-ring promo segment, something with them celebrating. I know that TNA, both uh, for the wrestlers and to not tire them out, and for um, the fans, they try not to put everything on a show every week. They try not to feature every champion and everything, aside from the big-time main event picture, every week. But I feel like Joe and Magnus coming off of that tag title win should have been featured a little more heavily. Um, then a video package talking about Garrett Bischoff and his match against Gunner at Against All Odds Air. Eric Bischoff, Gunner, and Ric Flair came to the ring and the returning Chelsea. If you're going, who the poop is Chelsea? Chelsea used to be good frenzies with Desmond Wolf, And you will bow to, bow to his howl. Believe me, you will. Um, but Desmond Wolf, of course, was Nigel McGinnis, and uh, he had a good, especially good early run in TNA. That was fantastic. But Chelsea and him got into some mischief, I guess. They really, by the time Chelsea was part of the act, he didn't, or it did matter, because uh, he had it early, but late in the act, it was like he was part of Fortune, but not part of Fortune, but wanted to be in Fortune, but wasn't in Fortune, Fortune. Um Back when Fortune was the heel stable, before another heel stable came in, and Fortune joined the heel stable, then broke off from the heel stable, and then Fortune feuded with the heel stable. And then Fortune disbanded, but the heel stable kind of disbanded too, but still exists, but disbanded. The history of Fortune and Immortal. Um, so Chelsea is back. This segment was ridiculous. I, I really don't see the purpose of it on the show. Hey, Gunner now has three managers. Like, that Gunner has three managers. He has Eric Bischoff, Ric Flair, and Chelsea. Uh, I mean, what does this dude have? Is he just going to have a complete corner, like an MMA? Are they going to start, like, rolling banners down when he gets introduced for matches? Like, hey, yeah, buy this shirt. Is that what we're going to get from him now? So, he and his bevy of people... um. Basically, they were just celebrating beating Garrett Bischoff. Um, SoCal Val happened to have cigars and champagne on hand, which she handed up to Chelsea, and Chelsea served to everyone. Got uh, the men some cigars, and everyone toasted with champagne. Um, Bischoff said Bischoff will never follow in his footsteps, and despite the fact that he shares some of his DNA, he will never be as great as him. Because Eric Bischoff is one of the best wrestlers of all time, and Garrett Bischoff cannot be that good. Eric wished his son the best in his future endeavors. Okay, guys. Um, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too analytical here. Shocking, I know. If you listen to me much, I 
tend to overanalyze. I know that for a while, making fun of the whole future endeavors thing was the in thing to do in wrestling. Like, TNA did it a little bit, um, but then WWE started doing it. They, they started being self-referential about it. You had a John Laurinaitis taking a timeout on Raw to wish John Morrison the best in his future endeavors. You, you have him, you know, being Mr. Future Endeavors. You had Triple H trying to do it. Like, it's, it's become a joke. It's become more self-referential than it should be, I guess. And, you know, that, that kind of bothers me. And then Bischoff doing it, it just makes me go, man, Johnny Ace is so much better than Eric Bischoff. That's crazy, right? Um, backstage, um, oh, Bully Ray said, yeah, backstage, Bully Ray said he should be the TNA champion right now. He would have no problem going through Storm later in the evening. He also talked about how he has the best cabs in wrestling. Guys, does anyone have better cabs than Bully Ray? I, I feel like we really need to talk about this. Me and you, audio listener, let's sit down, let's have a cup of coffee and hash this out. Bring, you bring the calf pictures, I'll bring my sense of aesthetics, and we'll, uh, and we'll talk about it. Because I honestly believe that Bully Ray may have the best cabs in wrestling. Triple H has some damn good caps, don't get me wrong. Um, Goldberg had some great caps. I, I even think uh, Rico, back in the day, had some decent caps. But man, none of them, none of their caps really can compare to what Bully Ray's caps look like right now. The best caps in the wrestling business. Bully Ray. Um, backstage, after the commercial, we had Christy Hemme interviewing Mike Straka, the host of... MMA Uncensored Live, which I hope is a lot like WCW Uncensored. Somehow, I just... Triple cage, man. Triple cage it, and I'm in. I would watch a triple cage MMA, MMA fight, by the way. That that would get crazy. Would you watch a triple cage MMA fight, audio listener? Um, I don't know how this became a discussion. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Backstage, we saw Young finding ODB singing his personal apology song to her. She slapped his butt, said bam, and then uh, pulled him out and was like, now you're going to get your present. Guys, it's funny. I'm sorry. I tried. I tried to hate this. I did did hate them in the tag team tournament, but my goodness, are they funny here. Then we had our fourth match of the night. Um, James Storm defeated Bully Ray to become the number one contender for the TNA Championship at 11.33. This was another one um, where the... Person who won got almost no offense in. Bully Ray worked the leg, and they went through a long sequence of him taking the knee pad, taking the boot, taking the sock of James Storm off, and Bully Ray getting down to the nitty-gritty of James Storm's leg and really laying into the leg as best he could. Well, that just meant that Storm was selling the leg the whole time. Literally, for the entire match, it was Storm selling the leg. We did have a commercial in the middle of the match. I... Commercials and matches. Let's talk about this real quick. I know that they are a reality of the wrestling industry today. It's the way we have to do things. It's life. The problem that I have with commercials and matches is that it makes the match seem less important. You're talking about the number one contender to the world championship right here. Same thing earlier. You're talking about the world championship. Those are the two most important positions that people can have on this show. Not the authority figure. Not the general menace. Not Chelsea. Those are the two most important things. World Championship and number one contendership to that title. Those are it. And with this, you had a commercial and a World Championship match. You had a commercial and a number one contenders match. 
people people are going to tune out in the middle of matches sometimes. It's going to happen, and I feel like they've really hurt um, they they hurt those matches by doing by putting commercial breaks in them. Um, but Storm recovered from the leg injury a bit, hit the uh, closing time code breaker move on Bully Ray, popped up, leg was good enough to hit the uh, last call super kick and pinned him for the one, the two, and by golly, he pinned him for the three as well and uh, won that number one contendership. So Cal Val happened to have beer on hand. She's a smart lady. And uh, handed James Storm some brewskis, which he uh, proceeded to celebrate with, and he pulled Brandon Jacobs over the rail. New York Giants running back, Super Bowl champion Brandon Jacobs, over the rail to celebrate with him. They're spraying beer over the crowd. They're drinking them. It's a good time for everybody. And then Bully Ray attacked Storm and got in Jacobs' face. Ray took Jacobs' beer, drank it, was like, you want me to drink your beer? And then spat in um, Brandon Jacobs' face. Um, Jacobs knocked Ray, pushed him down, and then, uh, James Storm was up to hold Jacobs back, as was, as were the TNA agents, making their, uh, always faithful on-camera appearances, and that make you go, why the hell is D'Lo Brown here? And, because D'Lo Brown, Pat Kenny, and, um, Al Snow ran out, and they were trying to hold Brandon Jacobs back, who looked fairly upset. I saw a lot of people on Twitter knocking Brandon Jacobs acting. Shut up, guys. That's stupid. Don't expect him to act well. It's not... He didn't... He wasn't bad. Like, he's an... Uh, he's... Yeah. Yeah, he, he wasn't bad. Let's let's get over that crap, kids. Um, so, Storm and Jacobson celebrated together in the ring. It was fine. It... it you know, I didn't like the match again. Um, the, the issue I had... And, um, Ryan Kester did a really nice job of pointing it out in his live coverage as well. The issue that I had was, your TNA champion looks weak coming out of his match. Your number one contender looks pretty weak coming out of his match. And this is your big match. This is the one, you know, we go on to the next segment and the match gets announced for lockdown. But they look weak tonight when the match gets announced going into it. And that perception can carry on. That feeling can carry on. And that's something that TNA is going to have to really... uh watch out for, that they don't make this look weak. Um, back from the break, Brandon Jacobs and James Storm were talking in the back. Jacobs cut a promo about how Storm is his buddy, and he couldn't believe what Bully Ray did to him. Jacobs said uh, he got the last word, and he would get some payback next week. Nice little hook, you know, Brandon Jacobs getting beer spat in his face and pushing Bully Ray over. Sports Center top ten style moment, and something people are going to look, and it's going to get some eyeballs on the product. And the thing is that... uh the thing about getting some eyeballs on the product, um, and we can argue about this, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, how much money he got paid, whatever, all of that. You're getting people who wouldn't normally watch wrestling to see it. And you know what they're seeing right there? Along with Brandon Jacobs, they're seeing James Storm celebrating with him. You're introducing James Storm to new fans. This is the guy that you need to introduce to new fans, and you're doing that. Maybe next week they watch because they hear Brandon Jacobs is going to be on again. Click. I don't know that it's going to get a big rating. I'm not I'm not even predicting that. I'm just saying it is possible. They know Brandon Jacobs is going to be on. They watch the show, and they see Brandon Jacobs in there with James Storm. And then, man, I kind of like this James Storm guy. What? He's got a world title match in a couple, you know, coming up in April? Oh, I'm totally getting that. I, pay-per-view's bought. I want to see this guy. I want to see him win his title. 
Simple as that. You can hook some fans in. Maybe they only hook five, six people in. But that almost doubles the amount of people ordering TNA pay-per-views. So that'll be fine. Um, through that segment, we heard in the background the theme music of Sting. And then we saw Sting stand in the ring They as they uh, cut to him. And um, Sting called Bobby Roode into the ring. Roode made his way to the ring and Mike Tanay went, It's judgment time! We're going to find out when! James Storm is going to get his title shot against Bobby Roode. And I was like, oh, you mean that's just not assumed that it's at the next pay-per-view? You know, I mean, isn't that how things work? But no, apparently this time they needed a match. They needed a segment to say when it will happen. Crazy face, I know. So um, Sting then made the announcement that uh, Bobby Roode and James Storm would meet in a cage match at lockdown with the TNA title on the line. Already went over that. Then Rude kicks Sting in the crotch. Not once, but twice. That's right. Those uh, little stingers. They are they are in some pain. Then uh, Rude puts Sting's sunglasses on um, before blasting it, Sting with the TNA title. Sting bladed. And you can tell he bladed. TNA still doesn't do a great job of disguising the blade job on TV. Maybe, you know, with a pan to Rude and then Sting looks up with blood on his face. No, they do a wide shot where you see Sting's hand around his face and his back is turned so it's not as obvious as Kurt Angle blading on camera, but it's still not. Oh, oh, wow, that actually made him bleed. No, nope, you can definitely tell he's blading. Um, then Rude started punching Sting's head, and not enough blood was coming out. And I think Rude got frustrated. But then Rude returned sunglasses to their rightful owner. It's a damn good thing he did, too, because sunglass theft, it... Nothing makes me angrier in wrestling than sunglass theft. What those little kids did to Bret Hart, when he asked them to hold his sunglasses at ringside, Bret was supposed to come back after the match and get those. And those little kids never gave them back. Yes, yes, this is Bret's fault for being too trusting. I, I agree. I think Bret Hart was way too trusting of those children. But they stole his sunglasses. You know, same thing is happening today. Uh, John Morrison's sunglasses got stolen by little kids. It takes him a long time to paint the design of his abs onto them in sparkles. You need to respect that man's work, man. All right. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, and that was the show. TNA piped in heat to close it, but they didn't pipe in bad music that they used to close shows a little while back, so I was fine with it. Tonight's, tonight's show was an odd one. I feel like they made some weird choices going down the stretch. They, uh... They made their champion and number one contender look weak in their matches. At the same time, there was a flow to this show that was missing from TNA for a long time. And part of that flow was segment to segment to segment. The show built as it went on. You know, you introduced, you know, you had your opening and that flowed right into a title match. And you can't do that more than once or twice a year. I know TNA does it more than that, but you shouldn't do that more than once or twice a year. But you had your opening, float into a world title match. That world title match actually flowed into a number one contender match later in the show. You hyped that consistently throughout the show. And then you had your other stuff thrown in, your X Division, your women's match, your tag team champions, your Garrett Bischoff. And I just feel like the show flowed better. The Brandon Jacobs involvement I thought was cool. I, you know, I'm not a Giants fan, um, but I thought that the Brandon Jacobs stuff was actually pretty fun. I know uh, some people online really disliked it. I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm 
more into celebrity involvement in wrestling than most. Maybe that's it. But um, the problem, you know, the biggest problem I had was the champ, the champion and challenger looking weak. I I feel like Rude at this point should be really focused on Storm. They need to go, okay, well, you know what? We've got Bobby Rude at least a little bit over as a heel. We need to do some work on James Storm now because he's lost a lot. In the eyes of the fans, I think in the eyes of a lot of people, James Storm has lost something. Is it he's lost the ability to do things? No. I, I think it's more James Storm just isn't he, – he isn't the it guy right now. and People see that and they know it, so they're fine with it. They've also kind of pushed Bobby Roode into a program with Sting instead of a program with Storm. And that's – it muddies the waters between where Sting and Storm are. So, you know, those are just some little things thrown in there. Um – the show flowed, though. The show worked for me, and that's something that TNA should continue to find a way to do. They should tell... You know, the idea is you're telling stories. And you're telling a self-contained story in a wrestling show in one way, but you're also telling a broader story over a few weeks and months that needs to build. And I thought that this show did a nice job of telling a story tonight and also telling a story in the, you know, in the macro sense, telling a large story um, that's going to go from now to lockdown. And they have plenty of time to build up Rude and Storm. I'm not super worried about that as much as I am concerned about how they made them look tonight. Anyways, that's going to do it for me on the uh, all-access side of this show. It's been fun talking with you, audio listener. I think we really had a connection here. I know I can hear your voice through this computer I'm recording on. I know that you can hear mine. That's actually true, that part. Um, But like I said... ProWrestling.net, the members option. It's well worth taking this week. I should hype. We're going to have our Elimination Chamber coverage. You're going to get uh, live reports from both Chris Shore and Jason Powell. Jason returning from vacation. They're going to be double covering Elimination Chamber. So make sure you check both of those out. Get two perspectives on the show they're watching. Um, they, they don't agree all the time, so that's kind of fun. Um, then they're going to team up after Elimination Chamber on Sunday night to do a two-man audio review of the show, like they do. And then on Monday, um, Chris Shore is going to have you covered on .NET with raw coverage, and Jason Powell will actually be live at the show. He'll So um, his perspective on Tuesday in audio should be pretty interesting, and of course on the Pro Wrestling Torch livecast as well on Tuesday. Um, I believe both him and Wade Keller will be at the show live, so that should be pretty entertaining to listen to and kind of see what they thought of the show. So, I'm Will Pruitt. Staff member over at ProWrestling.net, thanking you for your support of the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast. Thanking you for going to the website again. Download the apps. Get your ProWrestling.net merchandise that doesn't exist. And uh, have a great week, guys.